Corinthians 13. If I speak in tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I, if I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to flames, but not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it is not rude, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when perfection comes, the imperfect disappears. When I was a child, I taught like a child. <coughs> I thought like a child, and I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. Now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these things remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. And now it's my pleasure to ask Brian to come and bring God's word. Thank you very much, Hello. Feel better now. Amy's getting married, isn't it amazing? Do you know, I'm scarcely for babies. When you get to two years old, I'm alright, I can play with them. In fact, when they get two years old, they wonder whether I'm the baby or they are, but I right, enjoy it, you know. But uh, I remember going to a hospital to pray for Amy. She was in a glass container, two pounds, ten ounces. I came home and said to June, she's like a bag of sugar. And she was so little. And uh, I didn't know what to do. And they said, well, what, what? Peter was with me, I think. And we said, well, we'll put hands on this um, incubator. I mean, I've had chickens in incubators before. And, uh, and we, we put our hands on and said, please God, please God. And I felt so, so small because we are all so small and God is so big. And, and there crumbs now, eh? Wonderful, isn't it? Isn't it, isn't it wonderful? Yesterday I was, I was speaking at a wedding. And uh, I look, don't I look smart this morning? Nice tie, white shirt, had it on yesterday. Nice trousers. Uh, well, I had my suit on yesterday. I had some nice black shoes. I polished them up. They were lovely. Uh, Ush puppies, Oxfords, really, wives, really, June says, I'm going to set you out right for the day, you know. So I went to this lovely place. It's Polton. There was the press there because I've been doing this old, old church and we're making it look lovely. And the lady who did the old, she was, oh, she's a lovely lady. And uh, I was just speaking. 
So, of course, I've fidget about. I'm often told about that, aren't I? Fidgeting about. But I was fidgeting about. You know, I was, I was supposed to do me walking. And I thought, by the place was beautiful, but there's all these bits of rubber on the floor. And the more I walked, the more rubber there was. And then one lady burst out laughing. She was about where Alison was. And she burst out laughing. And she says, they might be giving a good word, but they're losing their soul. And, <laughs> and my shoes disintegrated. Totally, utterly disintegrated. There was rubber all over the floor when I walked. Rubber. I come out and I had to walk about 200 yards. And I was like this. And I was walking on bare... And I just got me, just me insoles left on my shoes, and there was rubber all over. Oh, I do try. <laughs> I'm so glad God had a sense of humour yesterday. The little Amy, that's another wedding, they're coming. Wonderful, absolutely wonderful. It's lovely meeting you all today again. <sighs> Lord Jesus, I've got a word, and unless you breathe on it, it's going to be no more than just ink on paper. But Lord, I, I pray that you will breathe upon it, that you will breathe through it. As you touch the worship this morning and just open our hearts to you, then Lord, I pray that would you be so wonderful as to open our hearts and feed us in a way that we can say, yes, that meant something, that encouraged, or that helped. Lord, would you do it to each one of us, for we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. I feel I'm making calls to Newcastle. We're talking about love. I always feel love when I come here. They've never thrown a tomato at me yet. And, uh, and, and that's great. And I love it. And thank you for that lovely reading of the word. It was super, was that? Love is... Well, I've been doing a story. I have stories sometimes. I've been, I've been doing a really deep study on John the Baptist. And I spoke last week. And I don't bring it here yet. It's, it's about three months off being chiseled right. But... But <laughs> something absolutely meant. The, the question John the Baptist asked, he said, uh, is that really the Son of God or do I look for another? He asked that because, and I thought, why did he ask that question? He asked that question because he'd been brought up in the desert with the severity of a message to give. Make way for the king, war, the wrath of God will be upon you. He, 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 there was this great tension in him. And he made way for the Christ, the Son of God. But when he was in prison, he heard about this Son of God who was forgiving, loving, changing water into wine. Disciples were eating barley on the Sabbath day. He heard all the things that shocked him. Because God, he was, if you will, the hinge from the Old Testament to the New. And and this Saviour was so generous in heart, so generous in forgiving, so generous in love, so generous in all that he gave. And he said, I've got it right. And so I'll just tell him all that's happening, preaching to the poor, sick of being healed, all that. And you must know this, you must be like me. You start sharing the gospel sometimes, and people say, I'll tell you about the church I went to. Or I'll tell you about this. And it says, no, the church through no, the church seems to be seen almost in a John the Baptist mode. That you don't do this, you don't do that, you don't do the other. If I become a Christian, I don't, my life's going to be reduced. Somebody actually said that to us the other day. I don't want my life reducing. God isn't in the reducing range, he's in the expansion range. 
I mean, at five foot six, I can't afford to make any mistakes. God wants to speak into our lives so much. And I think one of the greatest things that he speaks, and I know that you're so conscious of this, and it's called to Newcastle, but maybe even so, you command, I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Not by the creed you recite, not by the way you dress, not by the songs you sing, not by the rituals you observe, but how you love one another. Tertullian said, the oldest story, that the people marveled how the Christians loved each other. They come out of the desert, they come out of the wilderness, they come into the hands of a living Saviour. And he said, I love you. You know, I noticed that when we, if, in church, if ever you think anybody's worshipping more than you, don't worry about that. Try to be caught up with it. I, uh, there was somebody singing a hymn recently and, 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 and two people came to me and they said, isn't, that, isn't it lovely to see this person? I said, it was. Do you know, they said, all she has to do now is just receive his love more. She hasn't yet told him she loves him. And worships when you tell Jesus that you love him. Is there? I, lo- I love your music group. You know, I'm asking Daniel to lay hands on me afterwards and then I'm going to buy a violin. But I, um, you know, I, I love your music group, you know. I, 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 and, I, and I love it. Because I want to say to God, God, I love you. I love you for having patience with this little rebellious blighter called Brian. I love you for forgiving me all the meanness and lousiness of my life. I thank you, Lord, that you love me. You're leading me out of this. You give me something so much more beautiful. I thank you, God. Yes, we do, don't we? You just thank him. What a big God he is. Alison's here, so I'll use this one. We met somebody years ago called Eric Townsend, didn't we? And Eric Townsend was a vicar. And he was a vicar because his uncles were vicars, and his father was a vicar, and his granddad was a vicar. So he thought it was right that he became a vicar too. And so he became an unsaved vicar. You knew him, Pauline, didn't you, Eric? A lovely, wonderful man. Tony, where's Tony here this morning? You know Eric, don't you? Uh, Eric Townsend, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful man. Tenerate, Eric, he was a vicar. And uh, he was once going down by, um, uh, what was that place outside of Morecambe? Isham. Isham Head, he was a, a vicar there. And he was going down the road and uh, somebody shot and said, Vicar, uh, Mary's really, really ill. Would you go and pray for her? He was on his bike. He says, uh, right. So he was a vicar. And you know, there's a prayer book at home, and there'd be a prayer that'd be just suitable for Mary. So I said, I got on my bike, and I went to the vicarage, and I got this prayer, and then I went over, and I prayed for Mary, this prayer, you see. That's where he was at. He realised that he wasn't born again. He realised that he didn't understand that Jesus loved him. He understood he had a job. And he got really miraculously converted. He went to Rwanda and he got filled with the Holy Spirit. And wonderful things began to happen. Have you noticed when you come to Jesus, you're not made completely right? He starts sorting you out. Don't he? But he sorts you out with love. He sorts you out with encouragement. He sorts you out in the most wonderful way. Our biggest, I think, our biggest battle often is surrendering, surrendering, surrendering. You know, sometimes every day now I try to make this. It's because I'm retired, I have more time. Lord, I, I surrender today's attitudes to you. Lord, will you flow through my attitudes? 
Do you know, I find half the time that people are tired, it's because they're fighting their attitude before they do the thing, that if they surrendered, they could just do it. Nod your head if you understand that. If not, I'll say it again. Is that all right? There's nobody nodding. <laughs> all right, well, it's like this sometimes. If, if you have a bad attitude to a job, you have such a battle going inside before you do it that you're exhausted when you tackle it. And if you just said, Lord, give me your attitude to this job and let me, let me enjoy doing it, even if it's renovating a house in the holidays. Give me a good attitude, Lord. And you begin to enjoy it and your energy is released. Well, Terry, Eric had a lot to learn. He'd come to Christ, he'd gone to Rwanda. And uh, he and his wife, Ruth, a lovely couple, weren't they? And they'd always wanted children and for some reason they hadn't had children and they'd even wondered about uh, adopting her. He said, no way am I going to adopt a child. And uh, when he was in Rwanda one day, he went up on the mountain to sort of I don't know, to seek the Lord, really. Some wonderful things had happened, which I will not touch now. But he went to seek the Lord. And then he just felt in the quietness that God said, you are going to have a child. You're going to have a child. Trust me, you're going to have a child. So, when he eventually got down to the station, where his wife was, uh, two missionaries had come out from London. And... Uh, they were having lunch, and uh, one of the missionaries from London said, uh, we've brought you this paper. We'd like you to fill it, because we believe God's told us we had to bring it. And it's an adoption paper from the London Anglican Adoption Society, something like that. They'd always wanted a, they wanted a little girl, really, called Rebecca. They wanted a little boy called Timothy. They always wanted a child. And uh, he thought, well, God said that this morning on that matter. Now I have to surrender my way to his way. Ruth beamed. They filled in the form. They sent it off. Three weeks later, they were coming from Rwanda to Leeds to St. Matthias. It was a church of 500 people. Big church. And he was being brought back to be the evangelist there. When they were on the boat coming back, there was a wire came over from the Adoption Society. We have a child waiting for you in London. Now, they should have waited at least nine to ten months, they said. We have a child coming up. Oh, they were so, so thrilled. We've got a child coming. They went to the Adoption Society. There was this beautiful little baby girl. And he said, this is your child. There's only one thing we have got to tell you. She has already been named. Her name's Rebecca. And uh, they went back to, uh, uh, to St. Matthias' at Leeds with this little baby. And the church had bought them a house. And they'd got all the different furniture. And he said, it was though God selected these Six chairs will look lovely around that table. And, 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 and he, be, he said, I began to understand that God loved me. That God loved Ruth. That God loved us. He said, I just, I knew, 
And he promised us, didn't he, he would come once a month. He came once a month for four years to talk to our young people. Church of 500 left every Monday night. Robert, so many others came under Christ, didn't he, through him. And he touched all our lives. He said, because the love that God showed me, I want to pour out. I want to give. I just want to give. He just, in that, he realized the, the mightiness and the wonder of God. So we know and rely on the love that God has for us. And he did. God is love. It tells us this in 1 John 4. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. In this way, love is made complete amongst us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment because of this world we are like him. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first Loved us. The guy recently got saved. And <laughs> he went into work and he gushed. What did you do this weekend? I, you know, I, I watched um, whatever I did. Um, he said, well, he said, I got saved. He said, he got what? He said, got saved. Has become religious? Nah, not they. Be religious, not they. I've, yeah, I got saved. I really have. My sins are forgiven. Oh, that's gone that way, Aston. So... He went out for lunch. When he came back, they made him a big cross, a big cardboard cross, and they presented it with him. Now you're religious, you might as well have your cross. Oh, he says, thank you very much. So he got it and he put it on his big workbench like that. Isn't that wonderful? He says, thank you all very, very much. He said, it means so much to me. And it uh, changed the uh, attitudes a little bit. How many ladies have got them on this morning? I don't know, maybe you have. You know, it's a funny thing about the cross, isn't it? Because I think it's Nicky Gumbel who says, you never see a lady with gallows round her neck. You never see ladies with an electric chair round the neck. You never see ladies with a caricature of a firing squad hanging round the neck. I mean, you just don't see it. And yet we have a cross, which is one of the cruelest ways of bringing death to the human race. And we look at the cross, and we have the cross. What transforms that macabre thing into a thing of beauty? It's love. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He gave his life to you and to me. And that cross has been transformed by love. And he wants to do that with us, doesn't he? More and more. More and more. Oh, John the Baptist must have had a shock when he saw Jesus. Because he suddenly saw transcendent love flowing out. Must have been wonderful. We have a home group. Hey, have you got home groups? Yeah, have not you? Most of yeah. Well, all our home groups are different. I don't know. Years and years ago, they were, they were very charismatic. And so everybody who came in seemed to fall down. And... We went through all different sorts of ways. The home group we've got now is, is quite amazing. It's, um, I've got some, I go on a bit, don't I? You know, well, I've got this person who says to me, Brian, you've used a word now, nobody understands what you mean. You know what the word was? It was salvation. I said, everybody knows what's that. No, they, what do you, so he just said, what, didn't he, June? He said to him, what, what do you think salvation means? Because a lot of them are just coming to an alpha course in different ways. And then mentioned about repentance. He says, uh, does anybody understand what Brian's just said? 
And so it goes, it's brilliant actually, they're fantastic. But, and they're very intelligent people to it, you know, so, but we started to say, what do you want? I want to, and, and the general context was this, we don't want knowledge. We want something out of the Bible that will change our lives day by day so that we can meet each day as it comes. That we can actually meet each day. This has some relevance to what we're doing today. And it's been quite remarkable, hasn't it? One, uh, one of our, the fellows had just phoned me up from China yesterday, uh, two days ago. And he's an international businessman. He works in the valley. And he's came to Christ in quite a remarkable way. But he just said, you know, he said, it's wonderful. The word for today, I don't know if any of you have seen that word for today. It's quite interesting. He's got an Indian reading it now in um, China. He's got a Chinese person who's just said, well, they give it them. And then another gentleman, who I don't know what his nationality is until he comes back and tells me. And he wants it. So there's three words. But they've all asked because of him. He's brought two people to the Lord where he works. And he has this, this ability to just, he said, well, when Jesus is changing me, and people ask, where's the change? He said, he's just got an open door. One of the ladies has got so filled with the Holy Spirit, she's a, a business lady, an international business lady, and um, I don't know how long we'll have her. God sends her all the way from Nutsford to the home group, so I don't know how long she'll keep coming, but she's been coming for about six or seven months. And she was sat down, and we were just talking, and afterwards we tried to say, well, if we've received something tonight, just go and pray with each other. Well, we hadn't quite reached that stage, and she was sat down, She's a lovely young woman, isn't she? Lovely young woman. And she suddenly started crying. Just crying. Now that's not that unusual. So I went across and said, what? Why, why are you crying? She said, oh, I'm alright. She said, I'm fine. She was crying for the guy who was next to her. He's a young man. Oh, what is it that he has? A Spurgeon's, Spurgeon's, um, you know, it's, it's a, bit, a bit of a difficult uh, personality problem to live with a little bit. What is it called? If this is on tape, the ladies have talk, got it right. Okay, that's what he has anyway. And, and, and it isn't, he isn't critical with it, but, it, but, it, but it's been difficult. And he finds it hard to be loved and to be with people of his own age. He prefers to be with older people quite often. And she said, I was suddenly filled with such a compassion for this one. Just filled with so much compassion. And she put her arms around him and she prayed for him. It was beautiful, wasn't it? The thing is that now we've noticed he's going around with the younger people of his own age. He's going around with, he's a right grand lad. He's brought his mother to, to the church and she's, she's, I think she's almost there now. And uh, he told me that I was going out with his father last Friday, which I did. And, uh, and, uh, but, but it was just so wonderful. But it was the love. He's never been touched by love. He's been touched by you should be and you should do. And you know, if you pull yourself together, he's never been touched by love. There's somebody next to him loved so much that they wept for him. Absolutely moved him. Absolutely moved him. One lady stood up uh, and she said, do you know what? I know now. I know now I'm forgiven. I know now I'm forgiven. And, and... <laughs> I don't want to go into the intricacies of it, but there was something that she'd gone through a very bad time in her life. 
And she'd felt so guilty about this bad time, so guilty, so guilty, so guilty, so guilty. And all at once, it had lifted. She said, I'm forgiven. I'm, a, I, I'm absolutely forgiven. And she was a bit like me, slightly shy. And it just came out, you know, I am forgiven. And, uh, and the resounding thing is that this God who loves us, forgives us, loves us, we can't be more loved than what we are today if we try. We just have to receive it. The big thing is the receiving of the love. Hey, Roy's just nodded his head, which means he can hear me today. Well done, Roy. Thank you. Right. Uh, where are we going to go now? We can go to about 32 different places and I'll finish in 10 minutes. Over. Right. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers up a multitude of sins. I like that one. Deeply is zealously, intensely, fervently and white hot. Just imagine being loved white hot. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each one should use whatever gifts he's received. I just thought this way, it was like Daniel and the disciples. On the way, the music group was terrific. Because you was here, you was leading it. And there was a beautiful tune following because they were all following you. You know? Well, Jesus is leading us. He says, look, open your homes. Open your lives. Be a hugging church. You always tell, I will have to be careful now because some of you have got your arms crossed. They always say, you know, when people have their arms crossed, it, hello, when people have their arms crossed, it's a bit, I thought I had an heart attack, I thought, praise God for the doctors. No, I, <laughs> our Karen came to, uh, our Karen had a little trouble and, and uh, well, when she came to Robert's wedding, she said, I've never felt, uh, sorry, uh, Loretta's uh, wedding, she said, I've never felt as safe in all my life. She says, there must have been 22 doctors in the place. <laughs> But they always say that when you fold your arms, you're being a bit defensive. We've noticed that if people come into your home sometimes, especially in home groups, when, when you know, it's all a bit new, they put too many clothes on. Sometimes they'll sit with an anorak on. We've got one guy who's come, he's an ex-drug addict, and he, he always has his hat on, didn't he? Always kept his hat on. It's funny, you know, like, sitting, ask me your hat on. Um, and then we've noticed that after they've been two or three weeks and they begin to realise they're loved they begin to <laughs> take the claws off I better be careful what I'm saying <laughs> oh dear lord help me out and <laughs> but they begin to get rid of their defences how he took his hat off didn't he last week his lovely hair as well <laughs> but you know God says hey Begin to love one another. You're a new dimension of people. It's you that I'm using to express what a great God I am. You're the letters of commendation that I want to send out into the world. People, we shouldn't, really, I think in many ways, we don't really need to have evangelistic outreaches. We do, and it's right that we do. But what I mean is, we're the best. You, we're always being the letters of commendation. What keeps you so happy? What makes you keep going when things are tough? What is it that enables you to throw out your life to other people? What is it that does it? Well, it's nothing to do with me, it's him. It's him. I sometimes hit a wall. But God says, don't worry, if you hit a wall, just get down on your knees and ask me to pour my love through you, through the Holy Spirit. Because in Romans 5, it tells us that his love is poured out in our life. Brian, your only problem is you're not receiving. You receive, you'll give. You'll give. I mean, you're lovely people, aren't you? You are. You know, 
I, get, I, I, get, I love coming in that door because I'm always greeted so well. I, I love it. This is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth and insight. I like this one. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you remain in my love, just as I've obeyed my Father's commands, remain in his love, John 15. Have you, you've had daughters and sons, and you've been one yourself. You've either been a son or a daughter, haven't you? I've fallen in love. Have you? Oh, I have. Oh, I've fallen. Oh. Jim said she couldn't believe that I wasn't perfect. When she found out, she was most upset. But, you know, there's that, there's that time in your life when you, oh, Falling in love. And then about 18 weeks later, I've fallen out of love now. I've seen what he's like. God isn't talking about that sort of love. It's sort of not the love of infatuation. It's a love that is so deep and so rock solid that he says, I love you and I'll never let you go. You are a precious people and I love you. And I want you to love in that same way. Love isn't just an emotion. It's so much deeper and so much more wonderful than that. I always have loads of little stories. Can I finish with one? I'll finish with one. I've gone on a bit. I always do go on a bit anyway. Um, uh, Thank you for loving me, you see. This is a lovely story. If I've told it, it's worth telling again. Because... When you're about 24 or 5 and you know that you can put the world right, I still hadn't accepted Christ then anyway, but I still thought I could put the world right. In fact, I wish you could put the world right till I accepted Jesus. Uh, because you have that rumbustuousness of that age. And we went to a service at York Street Methodist Church in Oswaltwistle and it was the sermons. Do any of you remember sermons? Yes, you got a new suit, didn't you? My grandma took me to co-op to get new clothes with Divi. Yes, right. For those of you who are younger, there's a translation given. <laughs> but, okay. But we, it was at the, and all the people used to crowd in there. People met from years before and they all used to come and the service was magnificent. And they had this man who seemed, uh, he was the minister of the ragged school at Blackburn. And uh, I think it even has the old ragged school on yet. It was an orphanage. And, uh, he was a big, capable man, and I remember sat looking at him and thinking, he looks so god. Do you know, godly men always have silver hair. Sorry about that. But uh, he had this lovely silver hair. And uh, he said, I've learnt a lot in the last few months of my life that I wish I had learnt before. And then he goes... And tells this story. Do you ever think sometimes you know best? Do you think sometimes, like me, that you know best? And sometimes, in thinking that we know best, we close the counsel of God and the Holy Spirit and the Word out of our lives. And that just sometimes God has to humble us until we realize that God, without you, we're absolutely nothing. And then you realize God says, look, my love's here, my presence is here, my purpose is here, just listen to me, son. Just listen to me, daughter. Well, this guy knew he knew best. And he said to his wife, look, love, he said, I'm having to, this is a big fundraising uh, meeting that I'm going to, this is a big one, it's a big, it, it, big, massive service that he was going to in, I think it was somewhere in Blackburn. 
And that was the night when he had to preach and, and get the funds in. And he was striving for the right word to open your wallets. That's what he was striving for. He was going for it. He was reading, piling in information, and, and he got nowhere. And it was Thursday, and he said to his wife, look, love, he said, I'm going in that study, and if the Prime Minister phones up, I don't want you to answer. He said, if the Queen comes to the door, offer her a cup of tea, but don't bring her in my study. He says, I am, I'm having to get this word ready, and I haven't got it yet, in love and sweetness. And I, 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 I often wonder what his wife looked like, actually. She couldn't look, I don't speak like that to June. <laughs> at any rate, at any rate, he goes in, he goes in his study. And, uh, after about an hour and a half, he, he sees somebody sort of just glance up, somebody going up the path. Oh, it's Mrs. So-and-so. An old lady who lives away. And, uh, he hears the doorbell ring and his wife goes and then after about five minutes, there's a little timid. What is it? Oh, well, it's just that Mrs. We'll call her Mrs. Hargreaves for the sake of the story. Mrs. Hargreaves has just called her and she just wants to see you. What have I said? No, I'm busy. Tell her I'm busy. So she goes out and presumably, like wives do, they translate the anger into something far more generous and said that he is rather tied up at this moment of time. And uh, so I turn around. She said, well, I'll wait a little bit. So she waited about an hour, an hour and a, an hour and a quarter and uh, still hadn't emerged. Still feverishly trying to get a word. There's some lay preachers here, I'm sure, and people who have preached before and you know what that's like. And God always says, chuck it up and listen to me. But he hadn't learned that. Then eventually he saw her go back down the path. And his wife said, darling, I just want to give you this. Just gave him a little white envelope. This is, hey, I'm 75 now and I was 25 then, so that's a long time ago, isn't it? So money values alter during that time. And uh, he said, well, I can't bother looking at it. I'm busy. She said, well, there it is anyway. Then she went out and he said, I picked the envelope up and I opened the envelope and this was for Mr. and Mrs. Alves, and inside was 20 quid, 20 pound notes. That's 50 years ago. And what would that be worth then? A lot more, a lot, lot, lot more. Maybe like 100 pounds or maybe 200 pounds. Well, she said, she can't give this. He said, she, Mrs. Alves can't give this. He said, she, she lives in the Weaver's Cottage down there. He said, she can't, I'm, I'm taking it to the back. He must have been in a fair mood, mustn't he? And he, he strided off down to Mrs. Hargreaves. When he gets in, there's a typical little weaver's cottage. He already presumably knew it, but he explained it for us who didn't know it. He said there was barely a fire in the hearth. He says there's some bread, you know, on a thing cut. And uh, there's a plate and a bit of butter. And uh, she's just having a cup of tea with a cup of tea beside of her. He says, Mrs. Hargrave, he said, you, 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 you've just left 20 pounds. He said, you, you can't leave 20 pounds. He, he said, well, you, he said, you haven't even got any jam. Looking at the table. She says, I can't afford not to give 20 pounds. 
I said, what do you mean? I said, do you realize, she said, I know God loves me. I know that God loves me. But she says, them little bairns don't. And she says, if I can put jam on their plate, if I can just open the door one little bit to show God loves them, then she says, what I've given is a joy. He knows, she says, it's grand to give. And he says, there's, there's this big man. This, I've never seen this happen in a pulpit before because I'd only heard preaching. I hadn't seen it all. And he stands there and there's tears coming down his cheeks. He says, I've just got to tell you. He says, I learned so much two months ago. He said, it's changed my whole life. He said, if we only we can just receive more and more of God's love. And can we be a Mrs. Hargreaves in giving it out? To them as don't know it. I suppose that's what we are as Christians. God says, receive. And God says, give. And you, each one of you, your letters of commendation, where you are, the people you meet, if they see this emanating from you, you become a mission. You become a mission. Lord Jesus, would you help us more and more to be there, just to, to know how much you love us, because we love because you first loved us. Lord, would you help us to understand just how much you love us, Will you cause us, Lord, to respond to that love in ways that our personality is suited to do? And Lord, would you refresh us daily with the attitude that is rooted in the love that you give us? Dear Lord, we thank you. We thank you for the person on our right-hand side now in this church. We thank you, Lord, for the person on our right. And Lord, as we thank you for that person, we thank you for your love for them. Lord, bless them. Bless those with deepest needs. And Lord, we thank you for that person on the left of us this morning. Lord, we thank you that you love them so much. Would you bless them more and more? So, Father, I know that we have prayed, and I know I've been prayed for. Father, keep our hearts open to you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Years ago, I held June's hand, and the minister married us, and we sang, all love divine, all love's excelling, joy from heaven to earth come down. Can we sing it this morning, and know that it does come down, and we should receive it.